0: From the U.S. to Europe, an international podcast breaking down structured credit, one tranche at a time. Welcome to The Last Tranche, Credit Flux's bi-monthly podcast discussing CLOs and all things structured credit. I am your host and reporter with Credit Flux, Hugh Minch. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Last Tranche. The world's financial markets are in turmoil following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The situation is fast changing, but at time of recording on 28th of February, the Russian ruble has dropped 30% against the dollar, leading the sanctioned Russian central bank to double interest rates to 20% to head off hyperinflation. European bank stocks have taken a 5% hit, while commodity prices, particularly oil and gas, are surging and adding to already acute inflationary pressure. Here to discuss the impact of these developments on the leveraged credit markets, I'm joined today by Gretchen Bergstresser, Partner and Global Head of Performing Credit at CBC Credit Partners. Gretchen, good morning.
1: Good morning, Hugh. Lovely to be here today.
0: So going back to last week when this crisis first broke out, could you give me a a broad overview of how the loan market moved in response to the events in Ukraine?
1: Sure, be happy to. It certainly was fast moving, within the loan market as well as sort of across markets. But you know, I think that it's fair to say that loans actually held up pretty well, certainly versus other asset classes that you know, as we saw, got got pretty well hammered. Um, uh, loans participated in the rally back Thursday afternoon, um, you know, on the heels of the momentum changing within the equity markets. That said, um, since Thursday and, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, my understanding across today, as, as you described Monday, the, the 28th of February, there's been relatively thin secondary market trading, uh, in the very beginning, it was all about kind of price discovery. Buyers being particularly price sensitive, you know, hoping to find very cheap offerings. Uh, and and um, only finding a relatively small amount of those. Um, we, what we didn't see and haven't seen yet and we're, we're not expecting is much in the way of any four sellers. So unlike what we saw, for example, um, during the price action of the pandemic, where there were a number of ultimately of four sellers, we haven't seen any, uh, which helped, uh, I think, mute some of the price action that we saw. Dealers helped to provide some stability within the market. That being said, they were relatively gun-shy about taking on any additional risk. So when the market opened on Thursday, both in the European loan market and then when the U.S. loan market opened up, it felt as if, you know, we were sort of down somewhere in the context of 50 to 100 basis points, The uh, and end of the day in that context of the circa 50 basis points for both, for both markets.
0: Yeah, I have noticed that there's there's been um, quite a few BWICs getting withdrawn, I've seen. Would you say there's a general lack of liquidity in the market right now? How can we be sure how wide things are?
1: What I've seen is a withdrawal of some CLO BWICs. I don't know that there have been any loan BWICs that have been withdrawn. And I think that that's you know primarily because since CLOs are you know synthetic of, of sorts, a synthetic leveraged expression of the loan market itself, it's more difficult to figure out what the right level for those to trade at. Because given the levered nature of a CLO structure, you'd inherently expect that it would have more price volatility. But I hadn't seen any loan BWICs themselves pulled.
0: You alluded to this already, but you know this is the second time in the space of two years that there's been, you know, a crisis that goes beyond the general ebb and flow of what we've become used to in credit markets. Comparing this to the COVID crisis, what do you think are some of the you know similarities, some of the differences from an investor's perspective?
1: So we're early days and an awful lot can happen. But from, from my vantage point, of having participated in the, in the leverage finance market for the loan market for more than 30 years at this point and like thinking back specifically about what happened two years ago when the pandemic struck and the sort of very rapid and, um, Severe price action that we saw across all markets, including the loan and the high yield markets. You know, that struck me as really being more of an instance where there was an incredible lack of clarity. You know, what would be the impact on general health and safety? What was going to be the impact on a variety of countries as the pandemic itself sort of made its way across the globe? You know what would be the impact on a variety of industries and you know how we would we would all kind of live and function and as a result of a desire on the part of both investors as well as issuers wanting to have liquidity in the face of all of that uncertainty it was really a a, a, what i would characterize as kind of a, a race for liquidity in in what we've seen to date as it relates to russia and the ukraine it's really more a it's, it's kind of a combination of factors it's certainly the increased geopolitical risk profile it's a increase in expectations around pricing pressures related to energy costs and the knock-on effects for a variety of industries it's thoughts around the implication on the various central banks and what rate rate hikes they may want to undertake, and at what pace. But it's m- more of these, in many ways, not entirely, but in many ways, kind of better understood and quantifiable risks uh, that are that are inherent within the the picture at this point, as opposed to in March of two thousand and twenty, when none of us had a clear glide path as to how to manage through a set of circumstances that were rapidly impacting all parts of the globe, all indi- all individuals, all companies to a, to a greater or lesser degree.
0: At CBC you're particularly well positioned to examine both the European and the US loan markets. How does investing in the two regions compare at this precise moment in time?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's, um it's interesting to to be able to, you know, sit in the seat that I do looking across both our European performing credit business and our US performing credit business. And, you know, you know, we would anticipate as I think the market does that, you know, to 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 a degree, that Europe will be hit harder, there's just a natural adjacency between the parts of Europe that were Financing through the, you know, the debt instruments that we invest in, and and Russia and the, and the Ukraine. By extension, it 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 feels to me as if you know we'll see more of a reduction, for example, in refinancing volumes as it as it's become more expensive for companies to be able to refinance their balance sheet. I think we're going to probably see on the margin and just on the margin as opposed to a cessation, but on the margin, a reduction in M&A activity, again, it'll be a moderate amount of reduction, I wouldn't anticipate that it would be a dramatic reduction. And I think we'll continue to see an even greater impact on the bond market in Europe as more flows will continue into the loan asset class. We're not expecting to see, you know, a significant increase in defaults because of, you know, some of these capital markets events. That being said, because the the markets were were very well open in 2021, and the maturity profile is actually in in really good shape. I just think we'll see more of a moderation across the board between, you know, cap markets activity, M A activity, as well as, you know, the the knock-on effect of that with issuers within the European market than we will within the U.S.
0: And are there any industry sectors that you're now more cautious on? Or on the flip side, any credits that you think look more appealing following the events of the last week?
1: The impact on oil prices and commodities, I think, is pretty clear. Um, You know, we're we're expecting that this will uh, have an impact on inflation levels. probably will moderate growth. That being said, growth has been pretty high relative to sort of the normal trend line. Um, and we we expect that the, you know, the tight labor conditions will continue. How that impacts industries, it's really, it's, it's interesting. It's, it can have a fairly significant kind of knock-on effect, particularly as you look at the impact of uh, the energy sector and increases in energy costs, uh, as it relates to the, for example, the chemical sector, and you know the knock-on effect of across a variety of commodities. So cautious as it relates to, from a knock-on perspective, the food industry. Uh, you know, obviously, this will have an impact on gas prices, and that that has implications quite broad in nature, um, the the rising commodity costs impacting industries such as packaging, even even industries that you might not anticipate on first blush. And again, we're we're not necessarily suggesting that it will be significant, but there are some issuers, for example, in the healthcare industry and other industries where we'd we'd expect these higher commodity prices, can have an increased pressure on, the, on, on margins for, for some issuers in those, in those sectors.
0: And you, you've alluded to this already, but what have we seen in the last week in terms of um, retail fund inflows? I know that there were record-breaking inflows earlier this year. What have we seen on that, on that side since the crisis broke out?
1: We continue to see inflows into loans through Thursday, but I think, and a a modest inflow on Friday as well. The the more interesting aspect for me was, I, I believe I saw this morning that there was actually a very substantial inflow into the U.S. high yield ETF market, which I think is a function of the expectations around the Fed's flight path as it relates to rate increases, A lot of different views out there in terms of the quantity and you know the number number of rate increases and the quantum of those rate increases i think many had built into their forecast that the march increase might end up being 50 basis points as opposed to what had been originally anticipated to be 25 basis points and with the what is now sort of the consensus view that the first increase will be 25 basis points as opposed to that feared 50 basis points some some relief within the high yield market and as a consequence that etf inflow into high yield which was which was actually quite surprising to me i hadn't i hadn't anticipated that until i was reviewing some some research this morning
0: let's turn to the clo market now i mean issuance seems to hold up Pretty well in the US last week. A number of new transactions came to market on on Friday. I have also noticed the you know, prices in the secondary market for CLO liabilities have spiked as well. What can you tell us about, you know, the state of play in CLOs today?
1: Sure. Sure. CLOs are are an an interesting vehicle, yeah, as as folks listening to this podcast probably well appreciate, it's very much an arbitrage vehicle. It's ensuring that there's the right balance between what happens from an asset price and spread perspective versus what how you're financing those in the liability market. No doubt, we're going to see a slowdown near term as buyers of liabilities digest what's happened in the market and the risk profile and how they should they should price that. That said, you know, there's still deals being printed. We printed a deal in the US on Friday. Granted, some of the lower tranches were modestly wider than we had originally anticipated, but we were able to purchase the portfolio at a a more attractive dollar price given the price action in the loan market such that it will end up being an accretive transaction for our investors. So I think you know it's going to be a bit of a period of price discovery you know it's not it's not nearly as easy as it was by any means to price a CLO you know this week or last week or the, maybe the next couple of weeks as it was earlier this year or certainly relative to 2021 but I do think with the with the right managers that have access to capital in their through their warehouses and have you know a a well-established following in the market with investors who've seen these managers perform well in a variety of market conditions including sort of more you know riskier or more stressed market conditions i think those managers as we've seen time after time after time do have the ability to price at attractive at you know relative relative to the assets at attractive levels even in the much more challenged markets
0: yeah going back to the covid comparison again around the time that that crisis had its outbreak there was you know a complete primary market pause for the clo's that lasted just over a month and obviously I, i gather the loan market moves on quite as severe this time but it certainly seems that that's not going to not going to be the case.
1: Yeah, it does. I think that I think that, you know, we saw a number of US deals price including ours last week, including towards the end of the week. We I think we're going to expect that there will be, you know, those those transactions would have had the benefit of having worked with investors for, you know, a period of time and figured out what the structure would look like and and you know effectively kind of locked in those levels for investors to reconfirm that they were happy to stay in the books at, at those spread levels you know maybe we see a, a little bit slower pricing activity this this week next week the next couple of weeks but what i what you know as 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 someone who's been involved with clos directly either as a portfolio manager or responsible for a team uh, as port- CLO portfolio managers, the market resolves itself. It finds that equilibrium again. The CLO market is is such a big buyer universe of leverage loans. Leveraged loans are such an important part of the leverage finance market that you know, th- with with a period of adjustment and seeking the the right pricing levels, I do think that the market will 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 find its equilibrium and start functioning well again. I think certainly much much more quickly than, you know, as you cited during the pandemic. We we're going to I think we're going to continue to function albeit at a slower pace with more established and you know managers that have deep benches of investors during this this price discovery period of time. And then I think, you know, over the course of the next several weeks or so, my hope is that We'll get back to functioning at a better clip pace in comparison with uh, with where we started the year and our expectations around full year issuance.
0: And what are you hearing from investors since the crisis uh, broke out in terms of you know what are what are some of their concerns and their priorities you know amid, amid sort of the global events that are taking place?
1: Yeah, it, it sort of ranges. So many are interested in having a dialogue around, as you describe, around either specific industries and or specific issuers, certainly to the extent that they're an existing investor, we're happy to have a more detailed conversation around individual issuers, but at the just sort of, you know, what's it's, it's that like, help me understand the risk, help me understand the technicals. And what are your expectations for how that will proceed over the foreseeable week to several-week period of time, and how can we take advantage of this opportunity from an, from an asset perspective? Granted, it's you know obviously a very tragic set of circumstances, uh, uh, you know across the globe. That being said, the price dislocation does does create some opportunities for uh, for investors that are comfortable with the fundamentals longer term as we are.
0: I was wondering as well, there's, yeah, there's been an ESG focus among loan managers in recent years, especially in Europe, but in the US as well. Is there an ESG component to the current crisis? And is that a consideration for both for you and for your investors as well?
1: There's always an ESG component to all of the all of the investments that we make is part of what we do as a credit manager, as a steward of you know capital for for investors across the globe and and th- this is no different in terms of thinking about the implications of of what's happening on uh, on how we deploy capital.
0: Finally, just to sum up, how would you describe you know the general sentiment among the CLO community as it relates to the events of the last week?
1: Away from the financial implications, just a heartfelt feeling of concern and despair around what's happening from a, from a personal perspective within Ukraine, but, but away from that. And, and there are many market participants that are personally impacted one way or another with family and friends that are from those regions. So that's, that's not by any means to be overlooked. But away from that, I think that, uh, What's the best way of describing it? Sort of trying to understand, quantify the risk, and find ways sensibly to, you know, effectuate trades, investments that, that continue to make sense in today's environment, in a in a in a more more slightly more cautious perspective, um, because it is elevated risk. That being said, even with elevated risk. There still are mispriced assets in in you know a variety of industries and an opportunity to take advantage of the knowledge that we have around issuers and industries and deploy that capital in a very effective way.
0: Gretchen Bergstrasser partner and global head of performing credit at CVC Credit Partners. Thank you for joining the last tranche today. I, I appreciate it. it's a, a difficult time not just for not just for this market, but you know, for around the world. And I think our listeners will really appreciate your high level analysis of, of what, it, what it means to be a credit investor in, in today's day and age. So thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, You. Thank you for listening to The Last tranche. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Credit Flux and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like and share our content.